Welcome to the Lift Big Eat Big Show number seven. Today we have topics on how to get massive capped delts. And we're also diving into a listener question around gaining mass as a teenager. And we've also got the African Championships currently going on within the weightlifting world as well. So we're going to cover a few different topics here. As always, we have myself, we have Cole Wolf, two, uh, two times World's Strongest Man competitor. We have Mona DeLacy as well, six times Karate World Champion, CrossFit Games athlete, and Commonwealth Games weightlifting medalist as well, all to offer some advice around this topic. But why don't we start with how to get big shoulders? I've actually seen a lot of people posting about shoulders recently on social media. I don't know why. It must be a yeah, must maybe be that it's season. Summer. Maybe it's the summer thing. They yeah, want to have big shoulders for summer. You know, yeah. Especially, I think especially guys, um, because it's one of those things where, like, if a guy has big shoulders, they don't really or big arms, they don't really care about the legs. It's more just the upper <laughs> body. <laughs> so it could be just the season, like you said. Yeah, and. Having big arms without big shoulders, it doesn't look right. So we're going to dive into shoulder training. But before we get into the actual training of shoulders, we need to know some shoulder anatomy. And just really, really basic, really, really basic. We've got three main muscles. We have the front delt, we have the side delt, and we have the rear delt. And those are our three shoulder muscles. Essentially, it flexes the shoulder and extends the shoulder. So lifting your arm up in front of you would be many uh, front delt. Then moving your arm behind you or doing like a horizontal abduction like a fly would hit your rear delt mainly. And then obviously if you lift your arm out to the side in the abduction, you're hitting mainly your side delt. And within shoulder training, it's probably one of the more boring, I guess you can say the more boring body parts of training because you don't have as much variation as you would when you're training things like chest and legs and things like that just because you're so limited in movements. Like unless there's only so much you can do. Unless you're a weightlifter because I feel yeah. like there's a lot to do and, <laughs> yeah. and probably strongman too yeah but i guess you're not training purely for mass in those circumstances you're training to actually get better at a sport and get stronger but within shoulder training typically for getting big shoulders there's a couple different approaches the approach i really like is getting stupidly strong on overhead press and compound movements so overhead press one arm dumbbell press seated uh barbell or dumbbell presses and then you're going to top that off with your isolation exercises, your lateral raises, loo raises, rear down raises, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I think the biggest uh, thing you can do for your shoulder training is to start all your sessions where if you're prioritizing shoulders within that session to start with rear doubts or side doubts, because the rear doubts don't get as much love as the front doubts. Remember your front doubts get absolutely smoked with all the pressing you're doing. Yes, the rear doubts do get hit through your various rows and pull-ups, but they typically lag behind the other parts of the shoulder just because they're not trained as or targeted as well. As for example, if you're doing uh, pressing, you're doing horizontal pressing on chest day or whatever, you, however you split set up, you're hitting that front down, a little bit of side down. Then you're doing shoulders and you're doing pressing overhead again, you're hitting the same muscles where the rear delts aren't getting any love on any of those. So start with rear delts. They can be reverse pec decks, reverse flies, etc. Then you might do a compound exercise. That could be some kind of overhead press. And then you're looking to do a bunch of lateral raises to hit that side down. And that side down is going to give you that width and that, uh, I guess, that capped delt look. Uh, Colm, what, what have you got in uh, in your tool bag for getting massive shoulders? 
Yeah, I'm in very much in agreement with that. If the goal is 100% like you're just after shoulder size, um, being from a strongman background, I'm also very biased towards getting a nice big overhead press. Um, but adding in, like, I personally don't find those exercises the most exciting, the readout exercises yeah. and lateral raises <laughs> and stuff. So I do think adding them in at the start, and they're just not that fatiguing. Even if you do them really hard, they shouldn't. Maybe like the first time you do it, you might be a little bit more fatigued on your overhead press. But after a couple of weeks of doing it, it shouldn't really be taking away from your overhead press. Whereas vice versa, if you're pushing something decent on overhead, um, it's just going to cost you more energy that you then have to put towards your rear delts or your side delts. And um, so I, I, I'm very much in agreement with that. Um, and I'm very, yeah, very biased towards aiming to get a big overhead press. So like you look at pretty much any strong man who has a decent overhead press, they're just going to have big shoulders. Um, it's a very like broad thing, but it, it tends to be like, I was trying to think about this beforehand, if there's any I could think of, um, but not really. They all have pretty damn big shoulders and <laughs> that like the benefit of training that overhead press is it comes with, um, a lot of tricep strength as well. Okay. Um, the other reason I think doing those smaller exercises first is it just kind of generally warms up that area as well. So again, being strong, man, um, a lot of us have dodgy shoulders uh, for various reasons. Like that's what happens if you compete in anything like really competitively, you run the risk of sustaining injuries. And a lot of strong men do have beaten up shoulders um, so it's a nice way to warm up. Basically, it, it kind of takes um, care of a couple of different things all at once. You're warming up, you're getting in that work. That's not the most exciting. And then you can still push it hard um, on the fun stuff. And to kind of go like more, my advice normally for more beginners to intermediates, I would so absolutely have an overhead pressing focus day in there. And then on another day, depending the more like the closer you are to being new, I would actually basically start of, imagine this is your overhead press. We're going to start going back this way all the way to a bench press. So if you're very new, I would probably just go with a flat bench um, because if you, like if you're looking at the loads you're using, if you're only able to use, you know, the bar plus, I don't know, an extra 10 pounds a side or something, in my experience, it just doesn't have the same, it doesn't really produce the same amount of stimulus as mm. just getting in some um, like flat bench press wood. You're able to use more muscle groups using a little bit heavier load. So don't, like even if shoulders are your absolute goal, don't neglect those other exercises. And then going from there, I would actually start bringing it up. So let's say you can already bench, I don't know, 225 for five reps or something like that. You're, you know, you're decently strong, but you want to focus on your shoulders a little bit more. That's when, so basically I'm saying instead of, let's say you're training shoulders twice a week, instead of having both of them overhead pressing focused, I have one a little bit more overhead focused. And then the other one is this kind of compound press. I would start bringing the incline up and there's a lot of angles that you can hit that aren't necessarily like that 30 degree, you know, classic bodybuilder incline you start bringing that angle up and you're hitting that front delt a lot and it's mm. with a heavier load you're in a nice stable position opposed to standing up and the two complement each other very nicely i'm so i'm a massive fan of the um of some kind of incline press in that regard and like um 
I always like to use him as an example. The greatest strongman of all time, Sejournus Saviscus, his favorite like assistance for his overhead press is the Smith Machine Incline Press. So um, it's a fantastic tool. And my other little tip with overhead press specifically um, would be because it can be such a hard movement to improve and keep like adding load, you can always add in a little bit of leg drive. So let's say you've you're just doing a basic linear periodization and adding a little bit of weight to your overhead press each week. Once you reach that spot, you can no longer go up anymore. Just add a little bit of leg drive and then control that eccentric. Um, yeah. It's a nice, easy way, like you're training the same pattern and you get to eccentrically overload those muscles, um, opposed to going straight away. Again, this is if your goal is muscle size. Um, but yeah, don't worry about going straight into a, like, a big, super explosive um, push press, just do a little one to overload those muscles on the way down, which in turn should help get you stronger overall um, and just kind of allow you to keep progressing. And then you can always restart. Nice. Yeah, I think next week we might touch on, we'll cover how to get a massive overhead press next week as a continuation of, of this one. But I know, Mona, you've got some thoughts on getting massive shoulders too from someone who jerks over 120. As, at like 64 kilos or 63 kilos. So what have you got for us? Well, firstly, I wanted to actually also um, mention, and I'm sure a lot of people who follow Olympic weightlifting has seen the difference over the years and especially the female body shape and how it's actually changed. And I just find it really interesting to look at like how females looked in weightlifting 10 years ago, even though they were strong or even 20 years ago were strong compared to even how the females look now. Like the females now, even doing similar weight, um, the females look a lot more jacked. Um, they look a lot more muscular, especially around the, the shoulders and the arm areas. Um, leg size, you know, that's generally the same because in weightlifting, you squat, squat, squat. Everything is a squat uh, in your cleans, your snatches, in you know, even in your pools and stuff like that, it works the legs. Um, but the thing that I've seen that's really changed over the years, um, and I think this is also due to, um, you know, CrossFit, um, because from speaking from a sport perspective and from doing CrossFit myself, I actually saw my body change um, over time with all the CrossFit movements. And that was purely from gymnastic movements that my shoulders actually started to get bigger and a lot more in shape. Um, and even though I would do similar movements overhead, and I think also that's why if you look now, I, I think there's a lot more female athletes that actually come from either, the, either gymnastics or from the CrossFit side of things. And I think especially from speaking from a female perspective, um, you, a lot of people underestimate the power of like bodyweight exercises. Um, and there were like things like handstand push-ups um, that increased my shoulder mm. size, things like dips. And you don't know if, if, if you're not an elite level athlete, <laughs> Mia has something to say as well. If you're not an elite level athlete, obviously doing these exercises on a bench or you know, doing progressions to get yourself to be able to do things like dips in rings or whatever, um, you know, those things will also build your shoulders. But then you will see, especially girls who come from that kind of background, um, do have, they have strong shoulders and strong looking shoulders. Um, I'm just going to quickly grab Mia. <laughs> All right. 
but yeah. I'll, I'll continue to talk. Um, but the thing is, what again, what I've noticed is with all the bodyweight exercises that I do, the amount of volume made a massive difference in shoulder size. Um, and for me, those are exercises that I personally enjoy doing. What Cole mentioned also with like the like some of the bodybuilding movements and some of the movements that you will do to warm up um, that are also really good for weightlifting um, and also good for like rehab or even prehab, um, you know, even things like your loo raises or your lateral raises or front raises. Um, those are all things that are really good in weightlifting. And I and especially if you look at the Chinese weightlifting team, I feel like those were the ones that kind of really dive more into the bodybuilding side of things um and that's why if you look at their physiques compared to some of the other countries physiques also look a whole lot different um yeah so in my opinion you know there's a lot of ways to get big shoulders um but again without doing just bodybuilding exercises your body weight exercises and gymnastic exercises make a big difference um also the thing is with like weightlifters you will often see, and, and this is more actually from the past, where you would see a lot of men with big shoulders. Um, and obviously that has to do with things like your, your testosterone and being able to build muscle easier um, compared to like the female body that had a bit more of a softer look to it. Um, but nowadays, like I said, with all of the other things that they do um, and sport, for example, where they come from, um, the female body is definitely starting to change and starting to look a lot more like bulkier but in my opinion it's it's a good bulky um it's something to show like females can have muscles and you can still be strong and you can be empowering and you can still look beautiful um so that yeah that's my opinion with like how to get big shoulders yeah those those hand i forgot about the handstand push-ups and even when you see like lu Jin with his handstand push-ups with his hands on the bench with a coach supporting his legs man that that stuff will blow your shoulders up, um, having to support your body weight on your hands. And as you mentioned, your handstand walking, handstand push-ups, and things like that was CrossFit. If you're able to do some of these and add some of them into your training program, man, it's, it's a game changer. I know uh, Colm and I, we talked last week about the idea of using compound exercises to get big and not shying away from it because it's hard to recover from. Obviously, there's a big, seems to be a big trend around people going for easier exercises because they can get more volume and then they can recover easier, like doing more raises and things. But as, as we mentioned, just getting a fucking huge overhead press and being able to pump out handstand pushups and stuff like that is going to do far bigger things for your shoulders than just pumping lateral raises or front raises, you know, every week at some point you're going to, you're going to lift something heavy. One thing yeah. I also wanted to mention with the shoulders is if you get someone who also hasn't done sport before and they come into weightlifting, um, that is also one of the first things that you see develop other than the legs. It's because you do so many overhead movements. Um, you know, in weightlifting, it's not just, you know, in the split jerk. It's even if, oh, Mia just vomited. <laughs> <laughs> even, even when you, you know, when you do a pull and your traps has to work and, you know, being able to snatch, um, doing things like your overhead mm. squats, um, doing things then afterwards, like your your certain accessories, um, like strict presses in from the front, strict presses from the back. Um, so for weightlifting, I'd say that's probably one of also the most important exercises that you do. And like I said, if you come from 
probably a background of not doing anything and you start weightlifting, that would probably be one of the first muscles that you will start to see develop. Nice. Do you have anything else to add, Colm, for, for getting big shoulders? Uh, did we want to talk about rep ranges at all? Yeah, let's do it. So basically, I just thought I'd better mention, even though I'm saying to definitely do a lot of those compounds, don't just do singles. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm actually fine, even with like, maybe not a competitive bodybuilder, but someone just putting on size. I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with doing a single, essentially as like an over warm up. So let's say, for example, you had, mm. um, you're planning on doing sets of 60 kgs for sets of eight overhead press, and maybe you warmed up to a single at 75. It's not going to fatigue you too much. It's still a relatively comfortable single, let's say maybe eight RPE or two reps in the tank. I think that's totally fine, but you shouldn't, if you're going to be doing singles a lot, you, um, you don't need to do them heavy. Um, especially if your goal is to is just size, then you, you probably don't need them at all, to be honest. You can get away with just doing rep ranges. Um, I'm kind of, as a general rule, I like to train and have people train in most kind of rep ranges. I'm mm -hmm. um, So anywhere from like, I would go anywhere from four up to like 15 reps but with, um, I like to, I do the classic, you know, um, cycling the rep ranges down over the weeks, or I'll do like a pyramid style. Let's say they do, this is again, the classic bodybuilder uh, method. Let's say you did a set of 12, a set of eight, or a set of 12, a set of 10, and a set of eight. That's a nice, fast way to do it. So you don't have to do extra warm-ups. You can, you know, that lighter weight that you're going to hit for 12, provided you're still close enough Um proximity to failure it's going to provide a hypertrophy mm. stimulus so as like if you're not really sure what to do i think that's a nice easy way to do it just that classic pyramid style it doesn't too, take too long you get to hit a range of um and you get to hit a, a range of rep ranges basically yeah yeah with the i'm with you with the, with the barbell over here press stuff i'm usually like five to eight reps is kind of like where i like to see the sweet spot with dumbbells usually anywhere from six to 10 or 12 reps is where I like it. And then for the various raises, I usually like anywhere from 10 to 20 reps, depending on, on the raise. And just using that, you can pretty much cycle through a, a whole session through yeah. all the rep ranges with that. So that's, that's something to, to think about and implement there too. But I think we've pretty much covered everything with the, the shoulders, unless there's anything else you wanted to add, Colm, but we're going to talk about um, the overhead press next week. And we're going to cover all about building a huge overhead press to complement this episode as well. But we had a question, right, from um, from someone asking about building mass as a fifteen, yep. as a fifteen-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Okay, what do you got for us, Colin, for for tips? Because you've built a shit ton of mass. So my, it's always the hardest, <laughs> especially if you're young. But my <laughs> first tip would be you just have to be patient and like. Hmm. Building mass takes a long time. If you try to speed up that process too much, it's likely you're just going to gain quite a lot of fat, um, which I've also been there before. I think we might have talked about it in the past maybe, and there was like the dreamer bulk, you know, the <laughs> um, the go mad methods. All, all those things basically lead to rapid weight gain fast. Yeah, me will be gaining ridiculous amount of weight fast. Yeah. Um, so my first tip, for a youth athlete would be to just remember to be patient. Even in those times that you just want to speed things up, 
just try to remind yourself you need to be patient and that things take long term. And then that then itself kind of feeds into everything else. So in terms of your training, um, you need to be patient with everything. And I would add on to that, don't compare yourself too much with others. So that kind of like you'll jump on Instagram, you'll probably see, let's say you're 15 at the moment, you'll see some 15 year old like <laughs> doing something ridiculous. Absolutely Probably ridiculous. juiced out of his mind too at yeah. 15. <laughs> but it's not like all that's going to do is discourage you and potentially make you stop being patient and try to speed things up. Um, <clears throat> but if you can just compete essentially against yourself, keep loading that little bit of weight on the bar each week. You can um, eat a relatively clean diet. Uh, we've done an episode on bulking in the past, which is like all those recommendations apply even if you're younger. Um, and basically, I would try to think of this period. It's absolutely normal to make mistakes, but think of this period as the time where you're kind of trying to set up yourself um, for when you're older, basically. Um, so don't like you don't have to rush trying to get as strong as you can. You don't have to rush trying to get as big as you can. Um, just try to. I know it's really hard, but yeah, just try <laughs> to be that little bit patient and keep comparing yourself uh, to yourself opposed to looking at what the other absolute freaks are doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm curious what you guys think. You've worked with a lot of younger athletes over the years. Yeah, I know. I know Mona's worked with, with a bunch of young ones. Do you want to give your take, Mona, before I jump in with what I've done? Before getting back to the podcast, I want to let you know that down in the description is a link to the Lift Big, Eat Big Underground. And within that, you get access to all our training programs, online courses, and into our private Discord community, where all three of us are in there to help you with whatever it is with your training. Regarding the programs, we have Mona, who's done all of the weightlifting cycles. We have Colm, who's done the Strongman off-season and Strongman competition programs. Then we have all the hallmark Lift Big, Eat Big training programs, Pump Dragon, Flanks Method, and many more. And I've also added muscle building specialization programs within that and are continually to update and add training programs into our app. You also get access to Mona's weightlifting mastery online course, and you get to join these calls live in the audience where you can ask members only question and answers at the end of each episode. So if that sounds like you, go down in the description, there's a link there to the Lift Big Epic Underground, and that'll give you access to everything I just mentioned. Yeah, um, what Cole <clears throat> mentioned about not comparing yourself, um, that's actually one of the things I was actually just thinking about because seeing my youth athletes compete and seeing athletes who are the same age, but one looks like a kid still, and then the one looks like an mm. adult. Um, and you have to realize that like puberty makes a massive difference in athletic performance and the maturity um, and genetics. Um, so again, seeing an athlete who might be looking a lot more mature muscular wise and even in strength um you know it doesn't mean that you as the athlete aren't going to get there like it just like you said you need to um be true to the process um be patient you know have someone guide you i i also advise you know as a youngster like trying to figure these things out for yourself is often difficult um, but having like a mentor or a coach or someone that you can just go to and talk to even if it's not a coach maybe it's a it's an athlete that you look up to um you know i think stuff like that is really important and that's why i think you know like as older athletes it's important for us to kind of also share our journeys and let them know that 
it wasn't something that just happened overnight. Um, it's something that took years and years and years. Like, I mean, I've been in the sport of weightlifting for over 20 years. Um, and it's sometimes hard to believe, but it wasn't always, you know, just everything, you know, with, with progression, just, um, what do you call it? Linear progression upwards. And I didn't just, you know, and even like the athletes that I'm, I'm training the youth athletes, um, even with them, like there were times where a lot of them did shoot up and then you would see them plateau again, you know, as they reach a certain age um, and as they, you know, reach maturity. Um, so again, it's just about like persevering um, and having that guidance, in my opinion, that makes a big difference. Um, but like you said, now, I, I think social media is probably uh, one of their biggest enemies because they will look at what a person looks like. And especially nowadays, you can see, um, you know, not just athletes from your own country, like athletes overseas. And you see these, especially um, from a weightlifting perspective, you will see the Eastern Bloc countries with athletes who are lifting insane amount of weights, breaking world records. Um, and athletes compare themselves to that and they think, I will never get there. But they also don't realize that this athlete might have started weightlifting when they were five years old um, and started gymnastics training and you know they there was a process involved like this kid maybe was in a in a training camp or something or was in sports school where like that is their bread and butter that's their life um so you have to also take that those things into consideration you might be a person who like you're a kid you go to school you're doing multiple sports um you're burning a lot of energy um, you know, those are all factors to look at. So I think, you know, you kind of have to look at the at it holistically and not just have like, you know, kind of blinkers on um, when you're like, okay, if he looks like that, I need to be like that as well at that age. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I was the skinny 15-year-old. I was playing a lot of sport and I started lifting at 16 after an injury. And that's kind of when I, when I got into it. But and I made all the mistakes as well, like with gaining weight at through the teenage years. And the biggest thing is one, if you're skinny at 15, 16, you probably don't eat much. And even if you think you do, you definitely don't. So we talked about the bulking stuff previously, and it's just a matter of frame reframing how they're eating and being able to feel typically more protein honestly <laughs> within because most people who aren't eating enough at that age aren't eating enough protein and then not fall into the trap of bulking and cutting because that's the kind of what you pick up from internet magazines all sorts of stuff and that's the, a trap i fell into i started at 63 kilos what's that like 140 pounds and then i like eventually i think bulked to like the high 60s or 70 kilos and wanted to cut and then you just spin your wheels and that becomes a problem um as Cole mentioned, you want to think long-term and that's, that's very short-term thinking when you're go when you're trying to cut, when you've put on a, a few kilos and uh, in that space. And then the other thing is to focus on strength and not go down these big bodybuilding style programs because you'll, you'll waste a lot of your younger years doing all these random exercises of, I don't know, various isolation stuff and whatnot and not doing much heavy work. And then you get how many years down the line, but you're not that much stronger. And so the stimulus you're trying to impart on the body to grow isn't as strong as it could be. And in those years, you can literally just focus on getting strong. The strength you build will 
build size if you're eating enough, especially around those ages. And as you start to get strong, you can squat more, you can deadlift more, bench more, et cetera, et cetera. Then you start layering in some of those isolation exercises and volume uh, further down the line. You'll be in a much better spot to gain more mass than you would if you spent your whole time pumping isolation exercises as a teenager um, in those instances. It doesn't mean not, that doesn't mean don't do any. It just means they shouldn't be the main focus. Just get damn strong on those compounds as, as you're growing. Eat enough or eat more. And you'll be well on your way to set yourself up long term for building mass. And don't worry about cutting and bulking, et cetera, et cetera, because that's when you run into problems, when you start thinking you need to cut when you're only 70 kilos kind of thing. Um, you just got to keep going. And and it won't be linear either. You're not going to gain a whole lot of weight and then just keep gaining weight. For example, I think I went to 74 kilos and I stayed at 74 for a long time. Um, I don't know how many years. And then I, did, I made a conscious effort to gain a weight again. I made it to 80 kilos and then I stayed at 80 kilos for a long time. And then I made a conscious effort to gain weight again. And I made it to 84 and that was my new set point. And then I stayed around that 84 ish area as I was competing and uh, weightlifting and things and kind of moved around. I even got up to 94 at one point. So from 63 to 94 kilos and uh, what was that? And that must be like 10, nine or 10 years with all those set points in between. Um, and then came back right back down to the 84, 85. I even went all the way down to 77 for competition just for the hell of it and got extra lean doing that and then back up to 80. So these things will change. You'll just find these set points and you'll kind of um, live there for a while before making another conscious effort to, to gain mass. Um, I don't know if there's anything else you guys wanted to add to that. I was just going to say the, um, those new, the nutritional habits that you're doing now as well, like say you're around 15 or whatever, if you put on some effort making good habits in terms of like meal prep, doesn't have to be like some bodybuilder style six day or uh, six times a day thing or anything like that. Mm. But you know, if you get into the habit of prepping your meals for the week, it's just going to set you up so much for like, if you're doing that now, you're going to be ahead of a lot of people already yeah. like, within a year. And it's not just going to benefit you training wise, to be honest, having good habits is going to set you up for everything in life. So yeah, that's another thing I would add is just trying to build up while you're young. If you can build up a nice, base of good solid habits um it's going to set you up for whatever you want it like who knows in five years you might not really care about gaining mass anymore but if you've got all these habits set in place whether your focus is you know on career or sport it's going to set you up either way yeah i used to take i used to take to school i had my container of white rice and i'll take those remember those sea lord cans of tuna but i had like yeah. the sweet chili one the big one dude that was like my lunch every day same actually. Like, <laughs> you had that, the same um, lunch every day. Yeah, I used to have that with rice as well, or I would yep. have. Um, do you know the Teagle chicken steaks? No. Well, anyway, those they're they're just like they're a more processed chicken breast kind of thing. But I used to have those with broccoli as one meal at school, and then my other one was tuna and rice, or a tuna yeah. sandwich with the Sea Lord sweet chili. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I yeah, feel like you times. guys are those kids that like everyone would like run away from because of the Why? smell of your food. <laughs> no, the sweet chili master tuna in that because it's a lot of it. Yeah, and it'll be like nice. thirty, be like thirty plus grams of protein. As a kid, you're getting that at lunch. And if I didn't have that, I'd have like a, oh, I'd also have like a cheese toast, like a che ham and cheese toasty, in my thing to do in the, at school as well. 
I used to like, see I used to see the rugby players. Some of them would bring like a whole roast chicken to school, <laughs> and that would yeah, that would be their their lunch. Um, but obviously, that and, good. yeah, and like a whole <laughs> like you know those big ice cream uh, buckets, they'll have that yeah. like full of sandwiches. Um, yeah, there yeah, you go. Maybe those were the props. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say? Um, I've also had people, I suppose, who are trying to gain weight, uh, concerned. Sorry, you can my <laughs> dogs. I'll just close the door for a second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, what, what did you take to, to lunch, Mona, then? to Because to, you train like three times a day. Yes, hey? yes. So yeah. for me, like even from a very young age, I actually started prepping my own meals um, because... You were eating pro-nutro. Well, yeah, that was like my staple diet as a martial artist at the time, you know, needing to gain weight. I was I was a super, super skinny girl. Um, and my dad always said to me, you know, like it's so important to feel yourself. And one thing that, you know, I think especially young girls when you go to school and you're around school girls who have this perceived mindset of like they want to look like a model. Um, and I was, I was having that mindset as well. And, you know, I was, I was an athlete. I mean, that wasn't the body shape that would be conducive to being a strong athlete. Um, and then, you know, going on tours and seeing other athletes and seeing more females in sport definitely changed my mind around like what a female body should look like, a healthy female body. Um, and then I became a person who I wasn't scared to eat. Um, you know, I would like what you were saying, what I would take to school. I would always make sure, you know, I would be that person who before school, I would have protein, I would have eggs, I would have my pre-neutro. So if you're a South African, you will know what pre-neutro is. Um, it's basically like, it's like a porridge, but it's, for me, it wasn't very nice. I was forced to eat it. <laughs> But um, it's one of those things where you like you pour milk in it, and if you don't eat it quick enough, it actually goes hard. So because I used to take so long <laughs> to eat, like I had to pour more milk and more milk and more milk, and my dad would tell me like you're not going to school until you finish your food because you need fuel for the day. Um, so like that would normally be like my start, and then I would always make sure you know I w I was actually that girl in school who would take protein shakes. So I would take protein shakes to school oh, okay. and then I would take things like, um, uh, I didn't eat bread. Um, so I would have like crackers. So I would like take crackers with like either eggs or chicken. I would make chicken breast. Um, and then I would take that to school and some veggies. Um, so I feel like I had a very healthy, healthy, um, you know, uh, meal plan or meal prep um when i was younger but also because i was seeing um like what other athletes were eating from a young age and i think i looked up to a lot of older athletes that would eat this way and that's kind of what i then saw as like if i wanted to be the best i need to do what those athletes are doing um and then we were also lucky to be in back then on like programs where we were guided when when it came to nutrition um you know we were actually told, you know, you need to eat X, Y, Z um, as a weightlifter. And those are the kind of things that we would like be exposed to on training camps and stuff. So they, um, I must say I was very lucky to have been exposed to that because, um, like I said, nowadays, 
you know, it's not easy with social media and the influence, especially with females. Um, you know, they see bulk as being a man. Um, they see <laughs> a lot of them see strength training turning you into a man. Um, and, you know, it's quite the opposite. Did you have a, a question, Colin, from before? I was going to say, so I sometimes get asked, like, let's say there's a skinny person trying to gain weight and they're at school. They feel a bit self-conscious about bringing, like, prepackaged meals and that sort of thing. You know, let's say you're sitting there eating your chicken and rice. Everyone else just has their, I don't know what people eat these days, <laughs> sausage rolls or whatever. But, you know, there's a little, there's sometimes you get those comments, um, you know, oh, look at this guy trying to, think he's um strong going to the gym and that sort of stuff and my i was just curious if you guys had any input because my advice i feel like may not be <laughs> the best normally i just say people are always going to make comments and you just have to like you're going to have to learn to deal with it but it's gonna if you can push through it's going to help you with your own goals right but i thought maybe you guys might have a different insight something a little bit more um insightful i don't know i was just curious but i that's something i get asked quite a lot and actually uh, i um yeah i i have spoken to a few guys who uh they don't want to prep their meals they specifically go for sandwiches because sandwiches are just seen in new zealand anyway like as a standard mm. thing whereas if you're sitting there with chicken and rice they'll feel like not necessarily get bullied but you know they'll get those they'll draw attention to themselves when they don't necessarily want to if that I, I saw it as being bullied um, and especially um, a lot of kids would make comments. They would be like, oh, look at Mona trying to be, you know, the healthy one again. Or look at Mona trying to, you know, um, you know, just, just doing all of these things. And like, to me, it that's was, exactly what I was talking about. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was hard. It was really, really hard for me. Um, and I've spoken actually a lot on like previous podcasts and stuff like that about it. Because it was hard for me to be in school. It was um, a lot of people say, you know, school was their the favorite time of like their life. For me, it was super hard because <laughs> even <laughs> even school teachers would say to me, you know, like if you carry on doing weightlifting by the age of twenty, you're going to be in a wheelchair. Um, you know, there was just a lot of stigma around those kind of things. And again. What helped me was traveling and seeing what other successful athletes were doing. And then um, I, 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 just, I just feel like I gravitated always. Like as soon as I was teased, as soon, you know, like, yes, I didn't enjoy school, but I didn't let it get to me. I said to myself, you know, I have a goal that I want to reach. Um, and like I said, when I would go to competitions and I would see what other athletes are eating and people that I looked up to, um, I would just, uh, in, I just took it as like, this is what I'm doing. And this is what, you know, if I'm, if I'm different, I'm different. But if I want to be the best, if I want to be a top athlete, these are just the things that I, I have to do. Um, but yeah, mentally it is very hard. And I, I actually personally, I did struggle in school with feeling bullied because of what I ate, the sports I did, um, yeah, and it's hard, it's hard as a female athlete. Yeah, I got nothing to add. <laughs> I got nothing to add to that. I'm on comp side with this. I mean, at some point, you're going to be bigger and, bigger and stronger than these people because you're smashing food. So, you know, there's advantages <laughs> to just taking your food and eating it. 
I, I just stopped. I ate my tuna and rice. That was all good. I yeah. must say my, my dad used to get mad at me because when I would, if I was prepping for a competition and say I had like a little bit of weight to cut or whatever, I would actually, if we had a long flight or something um, and I knew like airport food is, you know, obviously not going to be conducive to making weight, um, I would take my own lunch box with things like chicken <laughs> and broccoli and Brussels sprouts. And he always used to say, he used to feel so embarrassed when I opened my lunchbox <laughs> because everyone could always smell my food. But I think I just like to get as like, well, I like it. So it's okay. <laughs> you did you ever that. have, did you ever have someone who perhaps made comments eventually try to copy your behaviors? Yes. After school, especially. Um, yep. it took, it took time and afterwards people would tell me, I wish I ate like you, or I wish I did yeah. this, you know? Um, <laughs> and there's a part of me that feels nice when they say it. Um, but then I also think back of like, you know, I'm like, you gave me such a hard time. Like you made me feel so, let me just go like this. You made me feel so <laughs> shitty. Um, and I felt self-conscious. And honestly, I didn't want to be in school because of that very reason. And then afterwards, people will say, oh, we knew you were going to do well. Or, you know, we always admired like the things that you did and how you didn't care what anyone said. But during school, that was not the case. <laughs> yeah, no, those, those are all good points. Uh, I think we have some weightlifting news as well with what's going on. We've got Af the African champs going on, Mona. Yes. Oh my gosh. Like, so, and I'm not even going to like speak too much on the individual athletes, um, on this topic, but I am honestly so impressed with this African championships. This is by far, I am going, I take my hat off to Tunisia for hosting probably the best African champs that I have ever seen. Looking at it, it looked like a world championships. It looked, um, beautiful you know the athletes uh, training hall was really nice the the competition hall is beautiful um they had a, a like a professional stage that i walked onto a massive scoreboard um it was honestly like they were competing at an olympics or at um, a world championships so that was one thing i kind of had some fomo because i wasn't there because i was like <laughs> why now that you know i'm not really competing anymore um now they're upgrading and making everything, you know, so top notch, but I am impressed. And I must say, you know, this is the first time I've seen Africa really, um, you know, do this and mm. show that, you know, it, we don't have to have that stigma of having an African chance like previous years where athletes had to, and I mean, th these are Olympic qualification events where athletes had to warm up in a basement with cars driving over their platforms during competition day yeah um, a little different to kenya right yes <laughs> yeah i was i was really um yeah there was an article about that and um and now you're banned bad, from going to kenya yeah there's some really bad things that were said when i was trying to stand up for the athletes <laughs> who were complaining that were sending me you know videos and stuff like that of what was going on at the african champs uh, coaches are saying how their athletes are in danger, saying, you know, it's not safe. It was during the peak of COVID time. People weren't really wearing masks. Um, there wasn't really a health protocol. Um, 
and now i mean i've been to tunisia before and it's a beautiful country and i know the federation would always make things super professional um and that's one thing i can really say i feel like both tunisia and egypt is very good with you know that kind of stuff and also mauritius was really good as well but honestly by far the best tunisia i take my hat off to them um and then just speaking a little bit about the competition um you know what i've seen the the kind of the same countries that always dominate in africa that actually dominates in the world as well countries like uh tunisia egypt um nigeria they are definitely dominating again with you know both men and women um you see them put totals up that is world standard um a lot of them are you know olympic medalists world medalists um so that's been very impressive i mean i feel like i haven't seen a lot of men lift yet so far but um i must go back and go and check you know what they've been lifting but i've been impressed with the olympic categories um what those girls have been lifting and i think it was the 71 girls who ended up totaling i think 229 was the the winning total and comparing that to europeans i mean i'm super impressed um you know both with the lifting and you know what this african chances looked like um so maybe it's motivation for me to again get back to competing i don't know <laughs> but i i like i said i'm very excited for what the future holds if competitions like that continue in africa yeah i mean the last african champs you did you got engaged so oh that's true yeah and that was the one in egypt actually um so yeah that was a very very special one um yeah <laughs> and then this little one Com came. yeah come you got is there anything happening in the strongman world currently not so much at the moment there's there's a bunch of competitions all close together more so towards the end of the year um overall though i'd say it's actually been a fairly fairly quiet week in strongman there's no big uh dramas or anything like that <laughs> well we can uh shout out our lifting epic underground member who's a, who uh is training strongman currently he ran our farm boy strong program eight weeks 20 kg pb on the deadlift ended up pulling 260 kilos and then his goal of lifting the denny stones and he uh lifted six kilos under the denny stone weight uh just this week which is pretty impressive just off that program now he's going to run through the deadlift cycle so That's if awesome. anyone's listening to this and wants to make some mad gains like that then you need to join lift big big underground there's a link in the description colm is creating more programs as well he's been creating another deadlift cycle for us uh, he's got some more strongman programs coming in there mona's still creating more weightlifting yeah. cycles in there i think we've got over a year's worth of weightlifting programming in there anyway and then obviously you have all your strength and uh bodybuilding style programs in there so i think we've got like we've got like 27 plus programs currently in that uh, training app so yep. you're basically paying a low monthly uh, subscription 37 dollars, and you get access to everything and you can run all of the programs you ever want uh within there and just get stupidly strong and we'll be adding more and more programs throughout the months um as we get through them all i mean so we've got a leg specialization program in there and if anyone is looking for physique stuff we'll be, uh, we'll be adding things like shoulder specializations arm specializations all that kind of stuff um within there as, as well as lift uh, specializations like squats we already have deadlifts we're doing overhead press all that kind of stuff so check the description as well there's some free programs there 
Um, I think we might, we'll, we'll finish up the podcast here as well. So if anyone's uh, listening now, please like, subscribe to the YouTube, um, give us a star rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everything, all that helps the podcast to grow. And then next week, we're going to talk about overhead press, uh, I guess, how to get a stronger overhead press. It's one of those lifts that evades a lot of people, except Mona. Mona has a stupid overhead overhead strength. Um, <laughs> that's, that's why, why Cole wants so me to do the... The log. Yeah, that's yeah. why I want to do the log. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But please like, subscribe, and uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>